Don't Wreck Yourself features words and situations that are not appropriate for young listeners. This show is only for adults and unsupervised juvenile delinquents of exquisite taste and refinement. Each week, Matt and Ryan look into claims they find online, answer your questions, and say bad words! Now your way is the only way, and my way is the only way to Fill the space between a hard place and a rock is all we do But we'll entertain the conversation that leads us to the truth What do we know? A trips to telephones that are no different to you Welcome to Don't Wreck Yourself. My name's Ryan Placetti, and I'm here to disentangle you from the Gordian knot of the Internet's bullshit. And I'm Matt Saintsing, here to declutch the tentacles wrapped around misinformation. And I'm just here for the tentacles as well. I'm Stu Horgan. (laughs) (laughs) That's a little tease for later in the show, folks. You're going to want to stay tuned because we're talking about tentacles. (laughs) For two of our topics, I think. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But uh, we're we're laughing at jokes that haven't happened yet. It's called foreshadowing. Yeah, it's it's never good. Yeah, yeah. This is a very literary podcast. It's highly irregular, as some would say. And speaking of which. Yes. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) Stu, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, so I'm Stu Horgan. I am the creator of a podcast called Highly Irregular. It's a sketch comedy podcast, but also features original songs. And it is, uh, I wear all the hats in it. I'm voicing all the characters with varying levels of success in my strange accents. It's a strange listen, but you might like it. I can say without reservation that it is absolutely one of my favorite shows that I've come across as a result of getting into podcasting and networking with other podcasters. We came across Stu uh, because we're both on the Cash Junkie Discord server. Link in the link in the show notes. You can go there and say hi to me, Matt, and Stu. Two of us will answer. I'll leave it up to mystery as far as who, which which two of us will answer you. Mystery in time zones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was listening to Highly Irregular yesterday on the plane. Um, it's a lot of fun. I really like the Great British Podcast episode because I love the Great British Baking Show as the entire United States does. It's, it's a huge hit over here. Oh, yeah. Um, well, yeah. it's 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 the Great British Bake Off over there, I believe. Oh. It is. Yeah. Oh, is it not called that? What did you say? Great British Baking Show, I believe, in, on, on Netflix oh in the United States. Yeah, yeah or, it's the Bake Off here. Uh, the reason for that is that it ran afoul of intellectual property already at work here. I, oh. It might be Betty Crocker that has a like a, a great oh, American yeah. bake-off. <clears throat> they had to change the name for the, the American release. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I'm glad you enjoyed that sketch because it might not – you might have been missing some of the context. I don't know. But basically, the, the British television schedule at the moment is saturated with great British X shows. Oh, okay. Like every day, there's like the great this and the great British that. And you're like, what? Oh, my God. Just make something different. Uh, I'm going to jump onto my VPN and change my change my geographic location and see if I can soak up some of this great British content. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You'll love the great British pottery throwdown. (laughs) (laughs) The great British glass blowing competition. (laughs) So do you have access to, to more or less Gordon Ramsay than we do? That's a good question. Oh, I want to say, yeah, I want to say more. I think he's less angry here. Okay. That makes sense. I think that makes sense. he plays up for angry in America. 
Yeah, I I haven't watched much of it. There's one nice thing where I grew up in Isha. Um, there's a there's a place down the road there that that was on one of his shows, and it had been the building was a beetroot purple. Okay, like horrendous. Americans don't eat beets, so could you please correlate it to the uh, Jolly Rancher or McDonald's? <laughs> yeah, it'd be like uh, probably like a grape drink. Oh, like flavor. like grimace colored at McDonald's. That's just what yeah. I was about to say. I was just about to say grimace. Yeah. Um, yeah, so on the show, he painted in white paint on the wall, paint me, and they never did, but you could drive past it and you'd see it, um, and then they closed <laughs> and they went out of business. You're like, well, I wonder why you didn't do what he told you to. You know, well, it. Yeah, right. I, yeah. Honestly, I think the dirty secret with those shows is they, they actually rescue very few businesses. Yeah. Turns out that spending a week with Gordon Ramsay does not make you a better business person. Yeah, <laughs> you still have yeah, you still have the same horrible habits that you had before, except now you don't have somebody yelling at you on camera. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it makes good TV. Speaking of good TV, I think your show is good TV for your ears. Yeah. So I <laughs> like. No, it's not yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Although I although I have subscribed to your YouTube channel. Oh, fantastic! Oh, yes. Which is mostly videos with no video, but it's it's a step in the right direction. <laughs> hey, we that's more than we have on YouTube right now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So what I love about Stu's show is it is incredibly English in terms of its in terms of its uh, sense of humor, and I think British comedy and American comedy kind of move in different directions after World War Two. What what are some of your comedic influences? Like what inspires you to create your show? This is the seldom seldom seem interview portion of our podcast. The interview, the profile. Yeah. Growing up, like I was like watching sketch shows. Um, there's this one um called The Fast Show, which was very big in kind of oh, I don't know when it was, like if it was the nineties or something. Um, I, I was hoping um, you were gonna list a very specific London neighborhood. It was very big in Chelsea. Oh. <laughs> It was quite like a pioneering show because it was it was the first one where they went they they kind of have this idea of like we have all these sketch shows where the sketches are sort of several minutes long. There's a whole kind of through sort of plot going on. What if we make one where they're literally just like twenty seconds, you know, and then it cuts and it's another thing, you know. Some mm-hmm. some of them might be literally just someone for like five seconds saying a line, and then it's you know a completely different thing, just a total non sequitur. And it, it was it was a huge hit, but that kind of fast paced sketch comedy on TV wasn't really around before then. So that was that was a big influence for me. And um, yeah, there was a while when there was a lot of great shows on on TV that I liked. And you obviously Monty Python, um, mm-hmm. and just generally my sense of humor. I've got to say, a lot of it was influenced by uh, Douglas Adams actually, okay. and um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and reading that and just falling in love with with kind of the that sort of style of writing and the the sort of his uh, way of putting things that was just so charming and 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 funny um, really stuck with me. I've read that book so many times, and all the all the ones that he wrote, you know. If I if I were just do, going to like quickly observe the difference between American and and British comedy, I would say it has a lot to do with that post World War II mentality. I think America had a very different response, having not been just absolutely bombed to shit during the war. Mm. Where our our comedy has gone in more of a uh, situational, observational sort of way. Like when an American comic tells a joke, you know, you slap your knee and say, that's so true. 
Uh, whereas when you have like a British sketch comedy show like Monty Python or, or, or something like that, uh, it's not that the, you know, it's not so true. It's somebody it's it's complete non sequiturs. It's it's somebody just suddenly screaming and everybody around them acting like it's perfectly normal. And maybe you have one person who says this is insane. Yeah. yeah so I, I, I think the other thing as well, and it's not so much related to sketches, but like British humor is often and British comedy is often like a bit more cynical. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially on things like sitcoms, you'll find that in 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 American shows, there's this this desire for it to all to work out in the end for everyone and everyone to come good. And turns out even the people you thought were horrible, actually they, they're nice and you know, everyone's dreams kind of come true in the last. It's like season. Jamie Lannister on game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas like, I, I don't you know, think that's Matt. Have you watched game of Thrones? No, <laughs> uh, Elise, Elise is watching it now. I, I, I'm just not into that genre. I'm not into the fantasy. I'm not a fan of the Lord of the Rings. And I'll be honest, the real reason I don't watch Game of Thrones is the reaction that elicits from people is way more entertaining than nine hours of dragon fucking or whatever it is, right? You know, like I like so like. Also, I've never seen or read Harry Potter. Um, oh, okay. Abomination, you're going to hell. No, I'm kidding. It, it, uh, it, I, for the same thing, and but that that is even more so. When I tell people I've never seen Harry Potter, they look at me like I'm from Mars. I've I've also only seen harry potter in bits and pieces i have no idea how it ends or how it middles that's more than i have oh really (laughs) yeah i have i have read and seen it all (laughs) well i i think for me i was just a i was a little bit i don't want to say that i was too old when harry potter came out like it's it's a it's a book it's a 400 page book no you weren't too old i was in probably high school when the first one came out and but I, i don't know it just never i was i was reading they're reading it in high school now. Well, that's the problem is I started reading fantasy novels in the third grade. So by the time I got there, I was already on to, you know, War and Peace. That's a bit of tame in comparison. <laughs> oh, you were very advanced. Yeah. <laughs> Look at Brian with the big brain. Me, an intellectual reading my War and Peace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did, I've never read War and Peace. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> that's for scholars 10,000 years from now. <laughs> Anyway, uh, speaking of nine hours of fucking dragons, <laughs> our first topic for today's episodes actually comes from the subreddit are too afraid to ask. This was posted by user alive nine nine two two. And they ask if rule 34 is if it exists, there's porn of it. What are the previous 33 rules? And are there more rules that follow? Gentlemen, are you familiar with Rule 34? I do know what it is. Yes, yes. Rule 34 states that if it exists on the internet, there's someone masturbating to it. Uh, uh, essentially, yeah. I think. Now, now, pop quiz. We exist on the internet in the form of two different shows. Do you think that there is... <laughs> I am so flattered... <laughs> Do you think do you think that there is pornography like a like a porn parody of our programs? And and if if so, what do you, what format do you think it would take? Um, I mean, it's going to be tricky, right? Because there's only one one person on the show. So. I think it's fair to say it's it, the show's already a little bit masturbatory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't have to change much in that sense. Uh, <laughs> I mean, highly erodular. 
gosh, I don't know. Oh, I'm touching highly erotica. Here. Highly erotica. It's highly, highly erogenous. Yes, I like that one. <laughs> yeah. What's what's our porn parody? Uh, it's called Don't Wreck Yourself, and it's mostly just two guys flirting on the internet. <laughs> two 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 hairy dudes just going at it. Rule thirty four is one of those ubiquitous internet it's a meme. touchstones. Oh, it's a, it's a meme. What's that? Uh, it's part I said it's a meme yeah it's part it's of meme, meme culture um it's something that a lot of people are familiar with and it, it sort of bubbled up from the bowels of the internet in many ways uh but there is actually a history and we can say when rule 34 was coined your fellow englishman a gentleman by the name of peter morley Sodder. that was awful <laughs> and, well if nothing really? else the english people are good at imposing <laughs> their rules on the rest of the world true <laughs> He ran a webcomic uh, in 2003, and he published an image that went kind of viral for the time because he'd run across some Calvin and Hobbes pornography. Oh. Oh. And then it says at, at the top of it, can you guys see the image in the notes? Rule number 34, there is, uh, there is porn of it, no exceptions. So that is the original mm. coinage. So was it a nu- it wasn't a numbers rule then it was just as far as I can tell he didn't publish a series of rules he just said rule number 34 Oh right it was right yeah yeah, yeah. It's, he's just messing with people yeah So that that is the original incarnation of it now that said the internet has built rules uh, around rule 34 so there are various incarnations of rule 34 over the course of time and I mean the I mean that that it is a rule numbered, a numbered rule implies that there is a list or a rule book somewhere. Yeah, it does. And um, rule 34 became popular on 4chan. 4chan actually published a list of the rules of the internet and they were numbered uh, one through 50. And like the first five were very specific to 4chan. And like, if you get banned, enjoy your ban, that sort of thing. Uh, so it's been elaborated on and there, there's certainly a list. Um, Rule 30, and the list is actually kind of boring, but a lot of it centers around uh, sexual content, internet culture, that sort of thing. But Rule 34 is a standalone rule um, to, that, that inspired the rest of it in a lot of ways. But what's interesting about Rule 34 is like we, we think of it as a modern thing. You know, it's it's a rule of the internet. If there's If it exists, there's porn of it. But if you think about it, pornographic material has existed as long as human beings have been creating. Um, so... You know, if we're moving backwards slowly through time, uh, we could start off with the 20th century phenomenon of Tijuana Bibles. Are you are either of you familiar with the Tijuana Bible? No, I am not. So they've got a they've got a couple different names. Like I think Gray Bible is another another way to refer to them. They've got. Uh, but basically, all it is, is a pocket sized comic book containing pornographic cartoons. And some of these cartoons were original intellectual property and others were actually established characters that were, we will charitably say were borrowed from professional publications. So if you want to see the cast of Popeye going at it, you know, check out 1930s oh, wow. Tijuana Bibles. <laughs> I, I've got some examples in our notes that you can take a look at. Check out the cans on Popeye. They're full of spinach. <laughs> God, I, I have an olive oil joke that is too filthy for the internet and I'm going to uh, I'm, I'm just going to bottle it up. I'm going to bottle up that olive oil joke. <laughs> I have I have an olive oil joke that's dirty too and it, and it involves Gordon Ramsay. Oh goodness. Uh, I'd be willing to bet Stu also has an olive olive oil joke that he's reluctant to put out into the public. So <laughs> <laughs> so in addition to cartoons and uh, various other intellectual property rights infringements 
They also featured famous Hollywood actors. So you can see in the examples I show you, they've got Cary Grant, Jackie Coogan, Greta Garbo, Joan Crawford, Betty Davis. Uh, so they all featured unlicensed pornographic pocketbooks. Do we know the significance of Tijuana? I, I, I think Tijuana is just riding a reputation. It's, Tijuana is a place yeah. where you sin. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. So I think in the American imagination, Tijuana is a place uh, like uh, an exotic locale where you can go and do unsavory things. With Popeye. With Popeye. and <laughs> <laughs> What's the British analog, Stu? Uh, oh, goodness. I don't, oh, I'm not even sure. Is there like a dirty place in the United Kingdom where like, oh, go like Liverpool or some shit like that? Yeah, I mean, so for example, Jersey Shore was, was um, Geordie Shore in, <laughs> uh, in the UK, which is, which is Newcastle. Okay. So maybe that's getting, getting close. I'm booking my flight oh, right God. now. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but I'm a huge Jersey Shore fan for a lot of reasons. I'm currently, I, I just finished season three of Jersey Shore Family Vacation. Family Vacation? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're all, they're all older and they're in their, they're all in their thirties now. And they're trying to, wow. they're trying to simultaneously continue to capitalize on the success of Jersey Shore while also rehabbing their image as mature adults who have grown past their party phases. I just had no idea it was still going on. Someone's probably jerking off to the Jersey Shore. <laughs> What? <laughs> oh, I guarantee you. Someone's probably there is actually actually in the most recent season of Jersey Shore Family Vacation, they did find a copy of a Jersey Shore parody porn. So even within Jersey oh, Shore, there was a Rule 34 incident. Wow. So historic uh, historically, pornography has been a major feature of human civilization, you know, not just in America, but also abroad. One thing that I wanted to talk about were uh Tokugawa Shunga, which are uh, spring pictures. This is art that came about in the 17th and 18th century. So it'll be like ladies in waiting, handmaids, samurai, nuns, like Buddhist nuns, and things like that engaged in sexual activity. Um, but what I think is really interesting is there's a common theme throughout the Tokugawa period where you have this sort of influence of comedy on pornography. And I'm not sure but it, it can either be accentuated by the focus on. So if you if you look at like Tokugawa area erotic prints, the men and the women look almost identical. They're they're very androgynous figures. You can tell them apart sometimes by the clothes. A lot of times they're wearing very similar looking robes, but their genitals are exaggerated. So like you might have a samurai. We're going to say bedding. We're going to keep it as clean as possible. Bedding somebody <laughs> with a penis the size of an arm. And then on, then on top of that, if you look at like even the, you know, the Greek mythology that we teach to kids in school, like this is this is stuff that's in elementary school. We talk about like the sons and daughters. There's entire tales of Greek gods coming down from Mount Olympus, transforming into, you know, lions and gulls and bulls and impregnating people like their stuff gets absolutely filthy. Yeah, Zeus was a deviant, wasn't he? <laughs> The only person, the the only person I don't think Zeus was sleeping with in mythology was Hera. I just, <laughs> I've I've launched in with an observation about Zeus, as if I <laughs> know anything about Greek mythology. It's like, <laughs> it's like when you go to a foreign country and you say one line from a phrase book, and then they start talking back to you in a language, and you're like, oh, actually, yeah, that's I'm I'm done. I'm lost. I've got. We've, we've gone as far as I can take this conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In the course of researching Rule 34 and the history of Rule 30, 34, I actually found an article on the Washington Post that reports that Rule 34 may be dying. 
Would you guys care to venture what what could kill Rule Thirty Four? I don't know. I mean, the current trend with humanity is sort of towards mass extinction. So I guess if things <laughs> stop, if everything stops existing, then um, that's going to do it. <laughs> it's just going to be one lone survivor sitting on a rock, masturbating to the concept <laughs> of civilization. And I think um, the fact that Rule Thirty Four is perhaps dying is because the when the internet is still pretty young, right? And I think the first thing people did on the internet was put porn on the internet, right? So all of a sudden, there's a lot of sexual stuff on the internet. I think maybe the internet has matured to a place where you have, you know, no one's jerking off to COVID deaths that they're finding on the internet or like the, you know, or other stuff. So I think, I think as we put more information on the internet, less of it is jerk offable. Okay. <laughs> maybe perhaps. So you think the internet has grown past. You think that the internet is growing to encompass more types of information and pornography is representing a smaller and smaller subset of yeah. the overall body of information available to humanity. Okay. Well, I, I think that's that's kind of yeah. close to what's to yeah. what's happening. I think the, the bigger factor is probably algorithms directing us towards specific content. So even if you're out there looking for this stuff, you're, 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 you're less likely to stumble across something random and more likely to be uh, to stumble across something that has been placed in front of you. Pornography through mainstream pornographic sites. So uh, here's a good pull quote from that article. Eight of the 10 largest tube sites, including Pornhub, RedTube and YouPorn are owned by MindGeek, an information technology firm headquartered in Luxembourg. And MindGeek, leveraging its vast centralized trove of content and user browsing data, has dictated exactly which sorts of porn become and stay popular. While the so the the future of Rule Thirty Four is kind of in jeopardy because you're not stumbling across random things anymore. You actually have to you have to target it and you have to dig for it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the appeal of Rule Thirty Four, you know, the way people stumble across things that they find titillating, a lot of times is just by happenstance. You're like, oh man, I like that, and I want more of it. If you do happen across it, the algorithm might be able to point you in those directions. But unless you do that, you're just going to be inundated in stepsis uh, stepsister pornography. Just so unless MindGeek gets some freak as a new CEO. And, uh, <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> a, a real Popeye fan. Yeah. Up. The centralization of por uh, our, por our online pornographic experiences, it becomes easier to enforce property, uh, intellectual property rights. So while you might still be able to go into the dark web and find that hot Homer banging Marge's sister, uh, <coughs> that, that, that hot. You can find that on the not dark. Uh, you can just find that on the Internet. Well, OK, well, Matt, you, you'll have to send me a link. <laughs> You only go on the dark net for like, you only go for like, yeah, you only go on the dark net for like illegal and like unscrupulous things. Right. But what I'm saying is if you go, if you go to Pornhub right now and look up Simpsons porn. Okay, here we go. <laughs> is that what you're accepted. about to do? Pornhub. You challenge yourself. This is all a big ruse to just, you go I'm watch just, Homer I'm, Simpson this porn. This is just me watching pornography while I hang out with you guys. It's no big deal. <laughs> Don't make it weird. This is this is basically what you do at work, right? Now, <laughs> it's not. I know it's not big deal. Right, We're in the army corrected. together. I've seen it. I stand corrected. There is there is a a, a ton of oh well, that doesn't look too bad. You stand erected, <laughs> more like <laughs> There's actually a ton of Simpsons porn on there. I am surprised that Fox has not shut that shit down. Unsurprising. Maybe, Un unsurprising. I'll tell you what though the. 
we we've had this we've had this to you know it's fair use it's fair use i i guess i but i i will point out i'm i'm we've had the debate on the show before regarding the pronunciation of the simpsons creator's name i will concede that the simpsons parody is not matt graining that's matt groaning <laughs> <laughs> Nice. That's good. That's good. <laughs> uh, but I, I think while the the future of Rule Thirty Four is in ca- that's a third American TV show we're like boring this guy with. <laughs> <laughs> so while the future of Rule Thirty Four uh, may have encountered a little bit of a genetic bottleneck, resulting in an unbelievably high frequency of step sibling pornographic uh, videos, even that bears all the hallmarks of earlier pornography. It's a reoccurring situational motif, not that different from say, you know. Uh, a Tokugawa art print of, you know, a handmaiden and a courtesan pleasuring each other. You know, they're like, oh, the samurai's away. Now we're going to play. Uh, it's not that different. And then there's also the the influence of comedic elements like, oops, my sexy stepmom got stuck in the dryer. So, oops. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I, I think it's, I think it's funny because pornography has always kind of been very self-aware in the sense that like, porn parodies exist for like for a reason they're like it's not going to be good we may as well make it funny that's that's my mantra as well with highly regular (laughs) 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 so my understanding Stu, is that you brought a clip for us to play and listen to that's right i don't know whenever i try and explain my show i i it, it it doesn't quite sort of I, I don't know how to explain it so so I usually just give up. Uh, yeah, so this clip is from from my Christmas episode actually, uh, and it it's it's got one of the very few times I've attempted to do an impression, uh, which is of Boris Johnson. Um, and, and for our for our American listeners, Boris Johnson is the Barack Obama of the United Kingdom. Uh, I was going to say that I, I was going to say the, the Eric <laughs> Trump, like if Eric Trump got to run a country, he's a he's he's a guy who was a joke and a clown. Yeah. Yeah. And somehow now he's prime minister. Um, now he has the nuclear codes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was funny when he was just on TV bumbling around and now he's he's sort of uh, fucking everything up. But yeah. So so one of the things that happened during the pandemic was we had all these lockdowns. We came out of a lockdown in sort of October, November, then was like, oh, thank God, you know, um, we can all see each other Christmas. And Boris was like, yeah, it'll be fine. Like, don't worry about it. It's all under control. And then we get a new variant. And literally like a few weeks before Christmas, he's like, lockdown is happening. (laughs) I'm sorry. And like, everyone's already made plans, you know, like everyone's like ordered a turkey and whatever, like, and now, and now it's all fucked. Um, so the joke was that Boris Johnson okay. cancelled Christmas. All right, let's play that clip. Welcome to the news. This is the news. One year after he famously cancelled Christmas in the run-up to the event in 2020, today Prime Minister Boris Johnson has performed a shocking U-turn and declared that Christmas 2020 is to be uncancelled. As such, there will be not one, but two Christmases this winter. Uh, uh, when, when I said uh, last year that uh, Christmas was was cancelled, uh, what I what 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 I meant, and what I think everybody uh, really knew that I meant at at, at the time, actually, was that uh, Christmas was merely uh, postponed indefinitely, and it was always my intention that it should be reinstated 
just uh, just just as soon as there was an appropriate scandal elsewhere that we want to 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 draw attention from it is uh, therefore with great pleasure that i can announce that christmas 2020 will be taking place alongside christmas 2021 for for me personally this is fantastic news as I can now spend uh, one Christmas with, with, with the children that my wife knows about and the other with the ones that she doesn't. So far, the move has received a mixed reception, with some members of the public, much like last year, left frustrated at the extremely short notice and pointing out that there is almost no time to source additional presents, extra supplies or a second Christmas carcass. Well, it's my opinion that if you don't already have a backup Christmas carcass stored in a backup freezer in a garage and hooked up to a dedicated diesel-powered generator in case of a sudden disaster, emergency or loss of power every year as standard, then quite frankly, I don't know what to tell you. Our next story, a decline in the popularity of shelves in contemporary interior design has left a record number so, of elves so this unemployed. this kind of following Christmas, referencing that. And also a cheeky reference at the end to the fact that Boris Johnson refuses to say how many children he has. <laughs> you think it'd be a matter of public record? <laughs> you would think so. Um, apparently not. That is absolutely one of my favorite clips from the uh, from the Christmas episode, which is probably my favorite episode of your show. Uh, hands down, I thought it was a an absolute piece of art. Oh, thank you. When you go to look up the uh, highly irregular podcast on whatever podcatcher you choose. Uh, it will be the most recent episode, at least until season two launches. I don't know. People could be listening to this episode as a matter of posterity as they work their way through our back catalog to find out where we yes. came from. This could be part of our VH1 special. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I believe you brought also, in addition to the clip, you also brought a topic with you that both Matt and I were unfamiliar with. So we came in with kind of a clean slate. So I just want to I just want to pepper you with questions, additional questions yes. about what it's like to live in a country that's different than ours. Because we're Americans yeah. and we never leave. Matt, you're leaning in with a sense of purpose, and I can't wait to hear your question. I uh, I want to know what it's like to be from a country that didn't land on the moon. I mean, if uh, you know, the British Empire took over two thirds of the world, or something. I was so not going to bring that up, but <laughs> I guess if you if you if you can't do that, your next best option is the moon. <laughs> I, I would like to offer a caveat. We do not endorse the British Empire on this show. No, we absolutely don't. <laughs> Empire as a concept is bad because typically it's, it involves forcing your will on other people at their expense. Yes. It's great for museums, though. Well, some museums. <laughs> the museum's here. <laughs> so I'm going to take you on a little dive through a story that has been rumbling on in the UK for a few years now that's captured the imagination of an ancient nation for, for both sort of the high-profile nature of it, but also just the sheer pettiness of <laughs> everyone involved that has just made it so uh, sort of relatable and hilarious at the same time um, and utterly captivating. So this is called the Wagger for Christie saga. <laughs> so uh, so are you what, familiar what? With, with WAGs? I am not familiar with WAGs at all. Is it an acronym? Yes. Yeah, so it stands for Wives and Girlfriends of High Profile Sportsmen. Okay. Okay. 
So we we have a we have uh, that that would be like basketball wives or Real Housewives. Yes. Uh, so yeah. we have a, we have an equivalent in American culture. We just don't use that term. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like like. The people and they, you know, they're, they're married to, you know, these, these famous footballers, whatever, and they end up becoming kind of a celebrity in their own right, you know, to a lesser degree. Um, and they, you know, they run in the same circles and there's drama and, you know, it, it becomes this thing where like the tabloid press loves talking about the wags and what they're wearing and who's bitching about who. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a bit of a symbiotic thing because, you know, some of these wags will give those stories to the papers to boost their own profile. While others, you know, will maybe be annoyed that that stuff has been shared. So there's this sort of self-perpetuating cycle of drama going on there. It's a it's a um, Kardashian. It's the Kardashian model of fame. Yes, in a way, yeah. Wag as a term seems just like derogatory. It sounds like it, it, it is a bit of probably a bit of a dated term. So the, the sort of the peak relevance, I guess, was was around kind of two thousands. Yeah. Think. Um, okay. It's not so much of a thing now, except for this thing that happened um so the first person i'm going to introduce you to here is is a lady called colleen rooney and she's the wife of wayne rooney he's a striker he's a striker yes he played for uh everton manchester united and of course i might have this wrong but i think he played for dc united okay or he played in the mls in the first few years of his retirement before becoming a manager he's also england's all-time record goal scorer for england uh, that uh, in in international play in international football, yeah. So he's a huge name, like he is a household name. You know, everyone knows who Wayne Rooney is, and he gets in his own scrapes. You know, he's got a, he's he gets run through the mill of you know tabloid press as well himself. And his wife Colleen Rooney, he's, she's not that happy with you know stories going out to the press about her, and she notices that that stories are getting leaked from her private Instagram account. So you know, a lot of these celebrities will have their public one that everyone can follow and then also have a personal one that they only let their friends follow. Yeah. So that they can post stuff that, you know, they don't want everyone knowing about. So there's a mole. There's a mole. And this is where we get to the wag of the Christie part. She does something absolutely genius to try and figure this thing out. Okay. And what we get is in October, 2019, she puts out this statement on Twitter and I'll read you a bit of it now. She posts like a picture of a note and the caption on it is, this has been a burden in my life for a few years now. And finally, I have got to the bottom of it, dot, 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 suspense. Okay. How many? So a lot of dots. So she says, for a few years now, someone who I trusted to follow me on my personal Instagram account has been consistently informing the Sun newspaper of my private posts and stories. There's a bit more of a spiel. And then to try and prove this, I came up with an idea I blocked everyone from viewing my Instagram stories except one account. Over the past five months, I've posted a series of false stories to see if they made their way into the Sun newspaper, and they did. And she lists a few stories that that, that she (laughs) falsified on her story that have been in the Sun newspaper. She says, it's been tough keeping it to myself and not making a comment, but I had to, and now I know for certain which account slash individual it's come from. I have saved and screenshotted all the original stories, which clearly show just one person has viewed them. It's dot, 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 Rebecca Vardy's account. Not Rebecca Vardy. Yeah, and Rebecca Vardy is the wife of Jamie Vardy, who is another striker who has played for England. 
and was actually the, the talismanic striker in, in the title-winning season for Leicester when they won the, the Premier League and like the most insane season there's ever been. Um, so this is Wag outing another Wag as the mole to the sun publicly on Twitter. <laughs> and everyone was like, holy shit, she's like an actual detective. Like, ha- what a genius. And this is where the Wag of the Christie moniker comes from. You know, she's basically been a detective here. <laughs> And figured it out. And I love that she has a big reveal moment too, because that's yeah. that's, that's, the, yeah. that's the key to yeah. a good detective novel is when the detective exactly. does the I've reveal. Gathered at you the all end. here today to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that happened. What's the what's the fallout from that point? Yeah. So apparently, you know, Rebecca Vardy has now had no warning of this. She's on holiday. She's heavily pregnant. She finds this out. She's furious, you know, she's she's denying any involvement. She can't believe that this has happened. She says, I'm not being funny, but I don't need the money. What would I gain from selling stories on you? You know, she's like, I thought we were friends. You know, I can't believe you've done this. Um, And she says it wasn't her. Maybe someone accessed her account and did it. And this um, is trashy. This is like trash TV right here. Yeah. So straight away, it's like the drama is it's hilarious. You know, this out this public outing, this obviously both very angry with each other. At one point, Rebecca Vardy was asked if she had spoken and argued with Colleen. And she said, and I quote, that would be like arguing with a pigeon. You can tell it you are right and it is wrong, but it's still going to shit in your hair. <laughs> <laughs> So what are the recent developments in the Wagatha Christie uh, saga? Yeah. Is it a saga yeah, at this point? Has it been going on long enough to be a saga? It's absolutely a saga. Yes. So <laughs> so that's at the end of 2019. And the drama kind of dies down a bit and COVID happens and everyone's very distracted. And then the next bomb drops. In June 2020, Rebecca Vardy decides she needs to restore her reputation. She says that um, Colleen Rooney has weaponized her fan base against her. And she drops a libel suit. Okay. So she's suing Colleen, Colleen Rooney for, for libel to um, you know claim for her her and her family suffering distress as a result of the accusations, you know, being dragged dragged out in public like this. And there's a preliminary hearing, and the judge does rule in Vardy's favour and says, you know, there is there's a case here, like because Colleen Rooney, even though in her her message she said it's Rebecca Vardy's account. It's very clear that she is implying that it is Rebecca Vardy who's done this. Right. So so she tried to, her, you know, defense kind of tried to say, she just said it's her account. She didn't say it's her. It's not libel. And the judge was like, get out of here. Like, but, it, but it's only libel if it's not true. Yes, yes. But like, as it, as it, you do these preliminary hearings to decide if there is even, if it's even worth going to trial on this. Like, right. Because if, if you decide this statement wasn't made directly about someone, then it, it can't be liable. Count, it can't right. count as liable. So you, you don't, there's no point. So the judge decides, yes, you said it. You accused her of doing this thing. So she can sue you for libel. Wow. Yeah, the libel laws are different in England than they are here. And I know when Donald Trump was in office, uh, he was he was like, we need to change the libel laws in the United States to look more like in Britain because it'd be easier to sue the New York Times or some shit for getting bad coverage. Is what he said, mm. which he might not understand how libel laws work in England because he doesn't understand how laws work anywhere. Uh, Donald, Donald Trump has no concept of the rule of law, period. Uh, he. Yeah. Yeah. He is. He is very much a rule by fiat type of figure. Yes. I mean, at the end of the day, the, 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 it, what it boils down to is if you to not 
be done for libel, you have to prove that what you said was true. Fair enough. Because it can't be libel if it's true. So yeah, she brings this suit. They're given opportunities to settle out of court, which fall through. And they go back for more hearings. Um, and there's these claims from Colleen Rooney that Rebecca Vardy has a relationship with journalists in the sun that that she and there's there's allegations that she might have been writing for a secret wag column in the sun at the time which which is sort of this, this stuff's thrown out and one of the best claims to come out of this at the time is that Colleen Rooney and this is another great moment of okay. pettiness the sheer pettiness so Colleen Rooney says at the Euro 2016 tournament Rebecca Vardy deliberately switched seats so that she would be sat behind Rooney so that she would appear in more photographs <laughs> <laughs> so this is the kind of stuff that's getting dragged uh, so, up. So has there been any ruling on the case at this point? So uh, we'll get through to that. But basically, the trial is has started this week. Okay. In in earnest. Um, so a few more things happen, uh, which is that the, uh, another character appears, which is Caroline Watt, Rebecca Vardy's, Rebecca Vardy's agent, who it turns out is someone who may have had access to her account. Okay. And it also turns out that Caroline Watt, there was a request, a request made to, to, to have her phone to, to be searched for evidence. And shortly after that request was made, her phone got dropped in the sea. Oh. oh, no, the same thing happened to Tom Brady. Yeah. Oh, what shame. I don't know if you know who Tom Brady is. You probably do. You spent a year in America. It's hard to not understand who he is here. <laughs> He's basically American royalty. I didn't know that he dropped his phone in the sea, though. It didn't drop in the sea, but it got destroyed uh, when the NFL was looking for evidence of... Uh, oh, deflate gate. Uh, yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, yeah. Something similar recently happened as well. The I think I can't remember which one of the court cases, again, that Donald Trump is is being subject to, but I think they requested four cell phones from him, and he said he lost four cell phones. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, I believe it. <laughs> Sorry, I left them in the McDonald's bathroom and someone swiped them. Yeah, I, I, I have no doubt that Donald Trump just treats his uh, treats his belongings like trash. Yeah, just like he treats his staff and other human beings. Yeah, yeah, well, he's, he's that kind of a guy. <laughs> so, what's what's the future of Wagatha Christie? Is uh, do you think there's do you think there's more secrets that are going to be unlocked? Or do you think they're oh. going to have a determination? And do there's, you? I mean, this trial's going on and it's it's public. So we're getting it daily updates in the news of everything that's coming out. So so the phone being dropped in the sea is not the only instance of data loss. There was also an IT expert hired to back up Vardy's messages who lost the password. So that's more stuff lost. Um, another export had something something funny happened, allegedly, which meant that, that various things were lost. So we come to the trial, which started this week. And just before it starts, Rebecca Vardy suddenly realizes she may have been betrayed by her agent who could have been leaking the stories, so she's throwing her under the bus, insisting she had nothing to do with it and no knowledge of it. And in England, you have double-decker buses, so it's no joke. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, oh, I don't know, maybe my agent did, but I totally didn't know anything about it. The agent is not giving evidence of a trial. She's, she's citing health reasons. But she could be compelled to testify, right? I don't know. I mean, it's not a criminal trial, so I'd, I don't know if, if it's sort of enforced in the same way, but... She's not testifying, basically, the agent. Okay. Uh, Rebecca Vardy has been, though, in, in, this week. So where we're at is she's still insisting she has nothing to do with it. You might recall that she said at the start of this whole thing, I don't need the money. Why would I do this? Well. Does she need the money? She's now admitted she has leaked a story about a football player called Danny Drinkwater 
being arrested for drunk driving, but she did do that. And she sent her details to her her agent along with a message that said, I want paying for this. (laughs) So... That somewhat undermines her her uh, line of not needing yeah. money, and also of never doing this. So, <laughs> so at this point, Vardy has a history of doing all the things that she's being accused of. Yes, she's she. There's messages where, like, there's another one where uh, a, a Sun reporter has asked uh, has asked her agent if she knows that Colleen Rooney definitely crashed her car which is a detail that apparently would only be available on her private Instagram account. And Vardy replies with the words, ha ha, she defo did. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we've got, yeah, we've got Rebecca Vardy still insisting. That, and she, remember, she brought this suit. Uh, but yeah, for I'm, some reason. That is, that is, that is the uh, <laughs> classic case of protesting too much. She's definitely done herself dirty. Yeah. Um, so she brought the suit and now we find out she did leak a story about Danny Drinkwater. She did want paying for it. Like it, it, it looks terrible for her. You know, I don't think there's anyone in the country who, who is on her side here, but the phone got dropped in the sea. There is no like smoking gun of the agent actually giving the story to the son. So with her phone sitting at the bottom of the sea, I think, uh, I think odds of recovery are pretty slim barring some sort of sea life taking an interest in it. But I believe that brings us to our next topic. Matt, you were going to talk to us about the noble octopus. Oh, yeah, I'm a big fan. I saw this tweet. It immediately swam off the page for me, and I knew I had to catch it. So this is uh, for a tweet from New Fred Dropped. And the question asked is, does an octopus need a shirt with eight sleeves or pants with eight legs? I'm freaking out. Ooh, <laughs> that, that, that's actually a pretty fantastic question. I like that they're freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> Like, this is the straw that broke the camel's back. (laughs) This is urgent. (laughs) It's not that we eat octopus and they may or may not be mildly sentient. (laughs) No, this this person has got got the order. They're a tailor and they've got the order from the octopus and they don't know which one to make. (laughs) (laughs) Have you guys eaten octopus before? I have. Yeah, I've got octopus in my freezer right now. No, you don't. You do really? Yeah, I do. Oh wow! You don't you don't oh, you don't random. have octopus in your freezer? You live in a landlocked state. I just like it's surprising. It's surprising. <laughs> That's why it's frozen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you guys don't have octopus in your freezer. I mean, come on. <laughs> and I don't live in a landlocked state, Matt. We have ports to the river. Yeah, uh, but um, <laughs> no. I just I think octopus. I think they're fascinating creatures. They're the closest thing to an alien we have on Earth. Essentially, they have a bag shaped body called a mantle. Their kidneys, liver, stomach, brain, gonads, and eyes are all in their head, right? All in that in that mantle. You've just described most um, men. Go on. And well, that's where the similarities stop. <laughs> I would say they have they have eight prehensile tentacles, you know, with lined with suckers that they use to explore the world's like and t- by by tasting the world. Essentially, yeah. is what they're doing. Uh, they have three hearts, an ink based defense mechanism, fucking jet propulsion, right? A body that can contort itself and even change its color. Um, and it has cognitive abilities that can rival some mammals. It's actually like they're they're really really smart. This is like a it's like an animal that was designed in Q's lab in MI six. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> if if you squeeze here, the inkjet emerges, obscuring <laughs> your escape. Um, they've been shown to navigate through plexiglass cubes. Uh, they can travel through complex mazes. They can use tools. They um 
they learn to solve problems by watching other octopus solve problems. So it kind of blows like your mind how smart these freaking things are. And delicious. And delicious. <laughs> I had I've had octopus once in my life. I was in uh, northeast Tanzania and it was Ramadan and the coast of East Africa is um, uh, majority Muslim. So I was there for Ramadan and went out to the street and broke the feast and someone gave me a, uh, a bowl of octopus soup. This was before I was a vegetarian, yeah. of course, and I ate it and it was it was tender. It was delicious. And I'm not a guy. Who, I don't enjoy a whole lot of seafood, but it was I really enjoyed it. I really yeah, enjoyed it. So I, I think if you're ever in Tanga, Tanzania, go check out during <laughs> Ramadan. Go ahead and check out the street octopus soup. Yeah. No, octopus octopus is delicious, but I, I have to admit that I, I do feel a little bit guilty eating it, given what I know about octopi and what I've learned. Giving what you just found it is not. Oh, it's not octopi. It's not. Octopi. It isn't. No. no. And I'll tell you why. Uh, octopi has a Latin ending. Right. And that comes from the belief that Latin words should have Latin endings. But uh, octopus is not a Latin word. It's a it's a Latinized form of the Greek word. So the correct plural would be octopodes, right? Oh. Uh, but, octo- but octopuses is better, and it's, it's actually the preferred plural when writing in English. So I, I, I read a book about octop- octop- octopuses last year, and it, it really, that, they went through that painstakingly. Like, they're, like, pissing off. Like, you can tell the author was like, <laughs> quit saying octopi, right? Anyway. <laughs> uh, but, let's, but, but let's talk about their fashion choices. Okay. Octopi is only if you get eight pies, I feel like. You know, anyway. Um, <laughs> Or just a pie with eight slices, which is pretty standard. Like a pizza pie. Yeah. 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 Um, you can have a pizza place named Octopi. Anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> so first, we to, to, to answer this question, if, if, if is they're going to wear a shirt or pants, we must determine if their tentacles are analogous to arms or legs. Gentlemen, what do you think? Ooh. I think it depends. I, they probably use some some of their tentacles for exploring and some for locomotion. The one they use for locomotion, that's definitely a leg. And then the ones that they use for exploring are definitely arms. I don't know which ones are which, you know, take your pick. So you think so. OK, so so you're saying that there are two types of tentacles, one that would be their arms, one's the legs. So that would indicate that you need a shirt and pants. I don't even know that they're two different types of tentacles. I think they would just have to change uh, change between shirts and pants as they move along. Oh, that would be that would be very difficult. So they might be using these tentacles for locomotion, and then these ones. It's like it's it's a quick change scenario, like a magician. There's a puff of there's a puff of ink, and then when they emerge, they're just wearing a completely different outfit depending on what their de- task is for the day. And then eight jazz hands. <laughs> <laughs> there are certainly things octopuses can do that humans can't, but I'm not sure it's simultaneously changing their clothes is one of them. But yeah. what do you think, Stu? <laughs> um, I'm torn because they feel like arms to me and i i feel better i feel better imagining an octopus wearing a shirt and like a tie but i but, but I, I feel like they're called legs quite okay. often or you think you know people say octopus has eight legs i've heard i've heard it both ways they have eight legs i've also heard they have eight arms so i mean i, I think legs is probably probably a little bit more common but arms is def- definitely out there people are using that in the in the vernacular mm. like it's on the street so according to a 2008 study uh, they have six arms and two legs. There's oh, really? a, uh, there, there, yeah, there was a, like a um, Hindu god. So now it's only one. It's yeah, it's only one study, um, and it was done by a commercial aquarium. So take it with a grain of salt. It is published though. <laughs> okay, uh, it, it is published and went through peer review. They they said the front six tentacles function as arms, and the back two function as legs. Wow. Uh, so they would need one pair of pants and hanging in the back, and, ones, and a shirt with six arms. Right, two legs. Yeah. It's a direct analog. I, Maybe we have more in common with the octopus how, than we thought. 
I would say, and I think when you talk about dressing an octopus, I would say the shirt covers its head because when we wear shirts, we wear we cover our torsos, mm-hmm. right? That's essentially its torso, and it would come down, and you'd have sleeves in the front six tentacles, and then you just have one pair of pants in the back. All right. Well, what what about like a <laughs> what if what if an octopus wanted to wear like a sundress? Would you just or I, oh, yeah, well, like I would kill. say an octopus could wear a romper. Just go around all the tentacles. <laughs> it would be a romper. Oh, I love you that. know. Do you have rompers in the UK? Is that, is that is yes. romper sounds like British slang? I've seen rompers around. Yeah, okay. I feel like they. Right. they I cool. feel like they started in England and then came across the came across the sea to, in search of a better life. <laughs> the last British invasion. We're looking yeah. for weather um, where it's appropriate to wear rompers. <laughs> yes, that is a big factor. Yeah, definitely. yeah. <laughs> if you uh, if you assume that they're all legs, right? You need four pair of pants uh, or one eight legged pair of pants. Uh, uh, where where do you think an octopus would get their clothes from? Is this a setup for a joke? Uh, I kind of want to know your I mean, answer, but are. I do have a punchline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have a funny answer, but I want to hear yours. <laughs> that's up to that's that's entirely up <laughs> yeah. to you. <laughs> yeah, right. Like yeah, yeah. Kind of it sounds like uh, one, it sounds like a setup to a joke for like a for like a six year old. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I I I would guess it's probably maybe maybe like one of those like sawnos fish. Like I feel like they 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 could probably cut okay. material. Oh yeah. They could, oh, you know what? Like a manta would make a very fetching cape. Yes. Why do you say that? Because they're shaped like a cape. Oh, I got you. Okay. Okay. I got you. <laughs> All right. Yeah, they kind of do like, like a cape. Like, I, I, I like to think that maybe they would, uh, maybe they would just make deals with other animals to function as clothes. Like maybe they'd stick their tentacles through like a yeah, sea like cucumber or that. something. Ooh, or, uh, ooh, that sounds kind of. Someone's jerking off that on the internet. Rule I'll tell you that. 34. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think an octopus probably shops at Pack Sun at the mall. I'll be honest, right? They, you know, they just go into like the surf, the surf places that have that. The last thing I'll say, Ryan, you have kids. You probably have watched a lot of SpongeBob. Squidward doesn't wear pants. He's Donald ducking it all day. Oh my god! I hadn't even I I, I hadn't realized it, but he does. But he he's kind of going opposite realm where he's he's using two arms and then the rest are functioning as legs. So maybe squid. But he's also he's a, squid, a squid, not an octopus. Di- different kind of cephalopod. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, the shirt doesn't um, go over his head. Yes. As we have theorized, it might. For I couldn't. There's no way. Yo, yeah, that's right. Um, Squidward's kind of like an anthropomorphized true. squid. He looks like he has like a human torso, right? So mm-hmm. um, I'm starting to think that SpongeBob isn't really the scientific what? accurate documentary <laughs> that my childhood would have me to believe. Actually, um, fun fact, uh, the creator of SpongeBob, who died recently oh, yeah. a, a year or two ago, uh, is a marine oh, biologist. Rest in peace. He is a marine biologist. Oh, fantastic. The, the creator wasn't. So it's kind of cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Really anyway, nice. it's a good fact. Everybody growing up, and this might—I don't know—was was being a marine biologist like one of your dreams as a child? I think still, it always oh. sounded like a cool thing to do. Matt, I know yeah, it was it one of yours. Sounded like a cool thing. Um, just go and look at fish. I mean, God, I love going to the aquarium. I, I as a, as a kid, I was like, I want to be a marine biologist when I grow up. And then when I grew up, I'm like, I do not have the body for that. <laughs> <laughs> Unless the test is buoyancy. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was mean of me. I'm sorry. I felt bad for that one. I felt bad for that one. But I, I couldn't let it. I could not say it. No, I've been on a, I've been on a, I've been on a diet lately. All, right. all you have to do, if you want to recover here, all you have to do is tell me that I look great. You, you, you look You're like you must be losing weight, honestly. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Stu. You, you guys, I, I feel like I'm going to 
I'm go- I'm going to cut out the part where I solicit your 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 <laughs> praise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just have us be complimenting you for an hour and a half. Uh, <laughs> but but there but if there's one person involved in this show who never has to solicit praise, it's Rick Reynolds oh, or yeah. wear pants. Uh, honestly, yeah. I, as far as I'm concerned, Rick Rick has a pa- has a no pants pass for life on this yeah. on this program. Just hanging dong down under, and we love it. <laughs> Uh, Rick has been kind enough to allow us the use of his song United from the album Portals in Progress, which you can find on Amazon, iTunes, and Spotify. You can also find him on YouTube and at Rick Reynolds on Instagram. Uh, Stu, would you like to tell folks where they can find you? Oh, goodness. I mean, all of them, really, I think. Uh, you know, yeah, Apple, Spotify. Um, Are you yes, on True sorry, Social? I was going to say Gab. Yeah. social media, <laughs> yes. Uh, so if you go on Instagram or, or Twitter, it's at Podly Irregular, P-O-D-L-Y Irregular. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to make another series of a show eventually. I don't know when, but if you want to, if you want to know when it happens, then yeah, give me a follow. I'm hoping Stu will let me produce some content for him because I'm very excited about his program. I would love that. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. Now we have it on record. I can put it on the internet, and if you if you backtrack, <laughs> I'll sue you for libel. <laughs> Be like Stu said, I could be a contributor on his show, and then they'll say that's not actual libel. I'm like, doesn't matter. And then I'll drop my laptop in the sea. <laughs> <laughs> the information's on the cloud. Why do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll find out if Octopike Octopods. Uh, then we'll find out. See, look, I learned something today. Yeah, there you go. That is there a that is a rare occurrence for an American. Yes, and, and, yeah, it's a rare occurrence for someone who talks to this American, too. Talks to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, hey, we're on social media, too. We got our tw- oh. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all that stuff. Uh, check us out. We are at WreckYourPod. We are at WreckYourPod at gmail.com. Um, and while you're, at, while you're here listening to us now, go ahead and rate us five stars. And after that, go rate a uh, highly irregular five stars or whatever the uh, British um, uh, conversion is. I'm not sure what the star conversion is. Currently going for. Uh, <laughs> what would the British equivalent of stars? Because I, I, in America, our flag is all stars and stripes. Yeah, Yours is various, lines, various yes. kinds of crosses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you just slap some slap some diagonal lines all over it and call it a day, I think. All and right, then stamp, all right. Stamp the queen <laughs> on top. Bob's your uncle. <laughs> well, so give go go give go give go give Stu five queens. Yes. Uh, <laughs> five. <laughs> which I believe is the uh, which I believe is the four original members of Queen plus uh, an Elizabeth. Yes. So if between now and next week you're wondering who's been leaking your Instagram photos and you haven't devised a genius plot to uncover their skullduggery, we encourage you to check yourself. You want to say it, Stu? Can I? Yeah, go for it, Stu. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Don't wreck yourself. We are united, but we're so far apart.